essence of TBM is real self-worth and true self-worth doesn't run over our emotional boundaries and deep self-worth so carefully, so lovingly holds our trauma work. From To Be Magnetic, this is The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. destination for neural manifestation, we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real, tangible results based on neuroplasticity, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics. Our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences, relationships, and things that most align with your authenticity. Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back, everyone, to the Expanded Podcast. Jessica here. I am so excited to jump into this episode today. We have an explained with our EMDR and licensed marriage and family therapist, Janelle Nelson, back for another incredible episode to really cover everything around what unblocked means, what unblocking is, how that impacts your manifestations. And we really dive into some of the new releases we have, how to navigate this challenge coming up and how to super speed your unblocking process and all the tips and tools and tricks that we've added to the new work and content, but also tips and tricks for you guys and listening to super speed your unblocking process. And then you get to hear some of the manifestations that's come through for Lacey. I also wanted to remind you guys right now we're in the pre-week for the challenge. The unblocking challenge has officially kicked off. We are starting our official week one on Monday and we have our first live kickoff call with Lacey and Janelle where they're going to teach you about bilateral stimulation tapping and how that works, how to do it and cover some of the things that are coming up for you guys in the challenge so far you guys haven't heard of the challenge, haven't been following anyone on socials and seeing everywhere we've been talking about it. We have a six-week challenge where we're taking your biggest core wound, the thing that's pressing and holding you back from manifesting what you truly desire and unblocking it over the course of this six weeks by taking it through different DIs. We have a safe DI, an unblocked DI, a fear one, an anxiety one, and an aligned action. And by the end of those six weeks, you're really going to transform and super speed the unblocking in this one big sort of core narrative for you in order to connect with your manifestations on the other side. And also just have some internal relief and reprieve and more centeredness, more authenticity, and really just ground deeper into yourself. The challenge is free to all Pathway members. If you are in the Pathway, just search in your Pathway portal for the Unblocking Challenge should be up at the top. We also have updated and reorganized and renamed our Deep Imagining Library. So it's 
a lot more clear, a lot more digestible, very understandable what each category is. So be sure to check that out as well. And for anyone who's not in the pathway, we are having our big summer sale. This is the lowest price you're going to lock in for the rate of the next year for our membership. If you've been thinking about the pathway at all, if you've been on the fence, if you're like, oh, I should really get into that, but you know, maybe not this week or this month, I don't have time for it. Lock in your membership price now because it's going to go up after this. And at least you will be locked in for the entire year at this rate. And then you can pop in whenever you do have that time. And the challenge will be available in your portal for a couple of weeks after anyways. So if you aren't able to join next week for the challenge, you can always join later and rewatch any of the live calls because they will be available as well. So if you are not in the pathway and you are really looking to lock in the lowest rate of the season, now is the time to do it. Our sale is only available for a very limited time. So be sure to get in on the sale ASAP. And be sure to tune in to the end of the episode. I'm gonna give a little helpful hint on how to find your core wounds. I mentioned this on my Instagram story and it seemed to resonate with a lot of you. So I'll share it with you guys in the podcast as well. So tune into that at the end and enjoy the episode. So today we have licensed marriage and family therapist and EMDR certified therapist, Janelle Nelson and Lacey on. Welcome. Thank you. I'll kick us off with a quote here. And it's so funny because I just saw today someone posted in the Mighty Networks group, I understand reprogramming, but what exactly is unblocking? And we talk about it so much. It's one of the main pillars of our manifestation process. But I think diving into it a bit more and understanding how we utilize the deep imaginings to really get unblocked and connect with our manifestations, you'll have full clarity after this episode. You are not stuck with your trauma and you can rewrite your story. And that's kind of the essence of unblocking. So I kind of want to kick off with when it comes to manifesting and neural manifestation and your process, Lacey, unblocked is one of those big pillars we have expansion, unblocking, and taking a line action, which is, you know, the passing of the test, setting boundaries, et cetera. But when it comes to that unblocking piece, how do you energetically explain what unblocking is? Yeah, I mean, it's really simple from an energetic manifestation standpoint, which I'm excited to talk more about through a therapeutic lens today. But it's really simple, like back in woo-woo, you know, manifestation that I practiced for a very long time and many people are still practicing today, which is think positive, pretend to be what you want until it comes, all of those superstitious processes that didn't work for me. I really started to notice that I would manifest when I actually pinpointed childhood patterns. It was really interesting. I mean, I've talked about this in the past before, but the way that it all began, in fact, I was a doormat in dating and I would drive from my tiny studio in East Hollywood to the beach. And along the drive, I would look at the current people that I had been dating and being a projector and everything, I was seeing patterns. I remember very specifically by the time I got to the beach and I had had no therapy, nothing like this at that point, but it just sort of channeled in me. I was at the beach by myself lying there and I went, whoa. 
these three people treat me a lot like my cousin treated me when I was younger. And when my cousin treated me like this, I would feel like this because I was missing X, Y, and Z from my needs being met from childhood. And that's when I started to put together, I was like, oh, wait, it's actually really good that I'm experiencing a negative quote unquote experience right now. And I'm actually looking at what's quote unquote negative beliefs because at that time I was in the height of trying to be positive all of the time to manifest a different life. I was the brokest I'd ever been. I was a waitress at the Laugh Factory making sometimes three fifty dollars a week at most. So I was like a doormat in dating. I was super broke. I hated my job and career. So it was really fantastic because during that whole time, I was just like, if I'm really, really positive, if I don't let any of these things affect me and I really pretend to be what I want to be, it's all going to come in my acting career. And it was fascinating. I can remember that really pivotal point that I was on that beach and I was like, these people are treating me like shit because when I was younger, this is what I was used to representing love and and feeling loved. And in fact, if I shift that around, that's what's actually going to allow me to be more confident, to be more now what we term in my authentic, whole, worthy self. And so it was interesting because I noticed when I would have a light bulb like that, like a channeling, a moment. And then I would go and I would find somebody who was already just a little bit more successful in that. So somebody who had been a doormat in dating, but had found their partnership that was really nice at the time. When I would combine those two things, that's when I would become magnetic. The process wasn't super sped until I started to learn about neuroplasticity. And I would really get down there with my own hypnosis process, which fascinatingly enough, inside of the pathway, we have one deep imagining that is called releasing emotions. That's what I used to practice. And that's what led me to understanding our deep imagining hypnosis process. What we do in that specific DI, I would bring up, say, that clarity I got from the beach. When my cousin treated me like this, this is how all these guys are treating me. And in fact, my inner child wasn't being seen. And I didn't know anything about inner children. I've never had read anything about that stuff. I was just starting to crack the code. And so when I would do what we have now in that deep imagining, it was kind of somatic in a sense. I would go and find the part of my body that that still hurt, and I would feel into it, and that would bring up memories. And through that process, I would quote unquote, get a healing. So then I started to see the process super speed. And the only name I could come up for the energetic of that was unblocking because the way that I read energy, what I would notice is if I had something like that in a particular field that I wanted to manifest, it was literally blocking that thing from coming in. And so we always talk about our three-part system. You have unblocking, you have expanding, and you have aligned action. The really key piece for me was I had to start at a subconscious level, not in the conscious mind of thinking positive, etc. I had to get down to that root memory and literally start to allow through hypnosis, the new neuroplasticity to start taking place by literally telling my body that that's no longer truth. What I experienced was truth, but the emotion around it, I started to heal, I guess is a better way to put it. And from an energetic perspective, I started unblocking. It means I started to allow whatever inside my subconscious was literally pushing away my manifestations. It eased and went, oh no, I deserve my manifestations. 
And then, of course, what we talk about all the time is expanded. When you seed a belief from a subconscious space, you actually create that opening for your manifestation to land. So that's a very long explanation of what unblocking means to us from an energetic perspective. And so the conversation today that's going to be really exciting is to look through a therapeutic lens with Janelle to understand what's actually happening from a somatic experience, from desensitizing those, you know, traumatic experiences, what's actually going on beyond just the energetics of manifestation. So, so cool and so powerful. And then just to kind of surmise and give that a little bit of definitions for those words. So blocks we're defining as the limiting beliefs, the deeply rooted subconscious beliefs that are low self-worth and keep you in old patterns, habits, small, disempowered, and settling for less than you deserve. They're physically blocking you from your manifestation and magnetism. And unblocked is the state of being open, free, you have boundaries, you're authentic, and you've reprogrammed those limiting beliefs in your subconscious. When you've removed the old patterns that don't serve you, your blocks, you create magnetism. So just to kind of distill down for everyone there, you know, you can even as you're listening, start thinking what are some of the patterns that you may be repeating, which is really a version of your inner child trying to get their needs met by repeating out this pattern. So Janelle, from your expertise and your perspective and I think EMDR is like one of the most highly recommended forms of therapy for people who have traumatic memories or their trauma is like living somatically within the body and all of that. So how do you see this process of these sort of core root beliefs and memories manifest into people trying to repeat them essentially to heal them? Yeah. So just for somebody that doesn't know still much about EMDR. Basically, when we go through trauma, every single time our brain will pair it with a negative belief about ourselves. And when we take any information in, our brain can just process it to all the centers of the brain and just kind of digest it through. But when trauma happens to us and it gets paired with that negative belief, it just will loop there. And then we see, of course, out through that lens. I've said this before, but like, you know, that saying that we see the world through rose-colored lenses, we really see it through whatever specific trauma, whatever our brain picked up through that negative belief we see out of that space. There's four categories. There's one of defectiveness. There's one of responsibility. There's one of safety, vulnerability, and then power and control. So say, for example a little girl that's going into middle school for the first time. So she goes into middle school and she has this negative belief that she picked up that she's not good enough. If you just even think of the posture of a kid going into middle school that has this negative belief, she's going to go into middle school going, no one's going to like me. I'm not going to make any friends. I'm not good enough versus the kid that doesn't have that trauma. She's going to walk into middle school going, I can't wait to make new friends. This is going to be so much fun. Let's get started. You know, so even just like the energetic posture of somebody, how they present based off of these negative beliefs, even Lacey, when you were talking about your cousin and dating, you know, I'm not sure what your negative belief was at the time, but somewhere along the line, you were presenting in that posture of 
I'm not good enough. And that's why you were attracting those not great guys. And then what's so beautiful is you named is you basically did two parts. You somatically worked through something. So you went in, you felt your feelings, you kind of did your own nervous system work, to be honest. And then you were also addressing the body and the mind simultaneously. And it did unblock you. And you were able to attract differently after you did those both of those pieces. I think that was so beautifully put together. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about the different, because we're going to have in the new daily practice, the updated daily practice, this option of beliefs list. So the negative cognitions, the positive cognitions. When we talk about getting to the root, we talk about this a lot in unblocking and, and reprogramming in the deep imaginings. We're like, get to the root. What is the root essence? So really what this list is, is a list of the root essence. What did that all distill down to? Talk about those categories again and how some of those might have been created. Yeah, sure. So the defectiveness category is like, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve love. I'm a bad person. I'm, I'm worthless, inadequate. I'm incompetent. I'm shameful. I'm not lovable. All of that. The responsibility category is more of like, I did something wrong. I should have known better. More of just somebody that's always in that chronic place of self-blame. The safety vulnerability category is, I can't trust anyone. I can't protect myself. I'm not safe. It's not okay to feel or show my emotions is a big one in that one. And then the power and control is, I'm powerless and helpless. I'm not in control. I can't get what I want. That's actually a big one for manifestation is I can't get what I want. I can't trust my judgment. I'm going to fail. I can't succeed. I have to be perfect. Please everyone. So it's interesting, but like, you know, some people are always in the power and control category or some people always kind of hang out in the defectiveness. I mean, there's like the single incident traumas. Like I was in a car accident or this one specific incident happened to me. And then there's attachment trauma, which is, you know, what we've talked about before, Jessica, which is repeatedly, I had a dad that was a workaholic and then I felt not good enough. So a lot of the real deep, deep core narratives, I would say they're more attachment based. They're the ones that were thousands of times reinforced. And then we might have just a secondary and third ones based off of like we had whatever, maybe a couple years of a repeating thing in high school or something. But usually there's this core, core one or core category that each of us can kind of tend to go to. And Lacey, even looking back, I'm curious now, if you think about whatever that dynamic was that was presenting and dating with a cousin, did you find that that was like a core narrative or that was like a tertiary or secondary narrative that was coming up? Uh, you know, it's interesting because I feel like, and tell me if you think this is correct, Janelle, but I feel like there's definitely core narratives, these root things. But then how do we talk about the offshoots of them? Because while I'm looking at this list as we're talking about it right now, for instance, this belief list there's a little piece of every one of these sections that I, I know that my negative cognitions go back to. So how does that work if there is a main core narrative versus just these, I don't know if we call them like offshoots, if we call them, you know, whatever, because I feel like they're all weirdly, when it comes to neuroplasticity, connected if they're looping until we start to rewire them. Yeah, I would say, honestly, I just feel like 
the attachment wound piece is usually what our big, like usually we have one big one that we'll go back to. And then the little offshoots are more secondary trauma. Like they're, they're little ones that happen and it's beautiful to like look and hit them. I mean, you know what? I'll share this one. After we did the first podcast, I shared how I'm a Leo rising and a dysfunctional Leo rising. I'm like, why do I hate being seen so much? And so I did my own EMDR within the last couple months. And I was like, okay, let me look at this deeper because my own core narrative is more in the I'm, I'm not good enough, that category. That's the one that I've always for years had worked on. But this one, when I went back to look at why am I so afraid of being seen, I went down to my second grade teacher, who is the meanest second grade teacher on the planet, who in the classroom would literally publicly humiliate kids. And I learned if I am invisible and if I'm quiet, I'll stay safe. And so don't be ever be seen because then you could get publicly humiliated. And so I went back to that one. And so that was in the safety category, which I'm, I'm usually, I don't hang out there. That's not my prime category. But for this specific trauma, I did. So I went back, I did some EMDR work on it to go, oh no, actually, and it's so simple, right? Because it's like, yeah, we can in our conscious state go, yeah, that was just a mean second grade teacher and you're totally safe being seen now. But your subconscious self is like, oh, hell no. And so <laughs> yeah. anyways, that one that I, I actually feel a lot more unblocked now after treating that specific memory. And that's a secondary narrative for me. I think that was a really good highlight because if I were to look at my core, core narrative, I would have to say what comes up the most is my needs don't matter. Like I'm constantly shifting those to my needs matter, my needs matter first, et cetera. But it's fascinating. And this is something I would like to dissect a little bit together because as I'm looking at this list, all of these I can see in different categories have popped up for me. And then really, really transformative manifestations have just started piling through. And so something that I'm so curious to kind of dissect together, you're someone who has been doing this work for so long and you're so versed in EMDR and SE. What do you think? Because when it comes to the core narrative, that takes so much reinforcement a positive reinforcement and in, in tackling it over and over and over again, taking action steps in life, et cetera. But I find that these unlock a little bit faster, which makes total sense based on what you said earlier. Yes. And manifestations come through rather quickly when you tackle these second narratives. Yeah. The, and you're right. It's so much easier to move through. You know, the core narrative ones is the ones that people are going to do a ton of inner child around and they go back to over and over again. That's more of like a big story clearing, but you're right. The secondary, third, all of those, those are pretty quick, quick and easy. <laughs> Easier. Easier, right. I would say to answer your question on reflection, Jessica, when I was looking at that particular very first thing that was really making me start to understand subconscious and unblocking, it would have been a core narrative now because it would have fallen under my needs don't matter. It's really interesting too at that I would say it was a very big rut time. It wasn't even a rock bottom. It was a very big rut time. And it was a rock bottom that led me into the self-reflection that was happening then. I had to be in that space to force me to start to learn this process. So it was interesting that probably most of the triggers coming up in my life were hitting on that core narrative, which I think says a lot about if we never start to address the core narrative, that's when we live in a life of 
of complacency. Same loop over and over and over. Like your life just looks the same. That's when you keep dating the same emotionally unavailable person and the job and the thing and the thing and the thing. Yeah, exactly. And then if we think about this, you know, we talk about this in the manifestation work all the time, but we have these limiting core narratives implanted, your core one, your secondary, tertiary, et cetera, your list of 20 items, whatever it is. But part of the reason I think in the neuroscience perspective and psychology perspective of it, that we're continuing to press against these narratives is that like you always say, Lacey, the universe wants us to get back to our whole authentic, worthy self. And these were things that we took on and beliefs about ourselves that aren't true. And so if we can be poking the wound in certain places, then we can say, okay, whew, that hurts. Let me look at it because I don't want to deal with it the way that I'm dealing with it, believing this negative belief about myself. And it kind of forces us to have a dark night of the soul, so to speak, with each of our beliefs and really say, okay, was this serving me before? Did this help me survive as a child? And do I need this belief now? And can I believe something different to really integrate into our whole authentic worthy selves? I totally agree. And I think something worth, you know, naming and stating, I would say that a lot of people aren't even aware, A, of what, but also that they have a core narrative belief. And I think that's a really big deal. Obviously, many listeners here who are doing the pathway have gotten to see that they have them through doing DIs and doing inner child. Even my mom, having conversations with her, I mean, she knows she's the first to say like she's fucked up because she went through so much trauma as a child, but she actually doesn't think that it's a priority or isn't motivated to look at it because I don't think she totally understands that all of that is what's causing everything in her life to show up the way that it's showing up right now. And I know that this is so basic, but I think that's why people have to understand that at TBM, we're always digging deeper of how to make everything more effective to get to these core beliefs and clean them up as fast as possible, because that's what's going to make your life change and manifest the life that you want, period. I know what I'm saying is so basic and level one, but we all have a core narrative and second narrative, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we all have this very authentic essence. Mine is incredibly sensitive. It's so unique. So you have to clean this up. You have to do that in order to get to that essence of yours to manifest and to see to believe that what you want is possible. So I'm, I know that that's, yeah, very simple. I just need to remind people of that. That should be your number one motivator. And I don't know that it always is for people. Like I even saw in the community group recently, somebody say, you know, man, I've done all of this unblocking. Does it ever stop? And it's like, kind of, no. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I don't mean it from a, we're stuck in a victim place or stuck in that place of that's so self-absorbed and always working on ourselves. No, no. It's anytime we're mirrored with a trigger. It's an opportunity. The universe is literally giving us an opportunity because we've been consciously or unconsciously calling something in to get back to that essence, like get closer to that essence. So it shouldn't be looked at as like this lifelong chore or anything. 
I guess what we're creating at TBM is we're trying to create the fastest, quickest way to do it possible. Absolutely. And I think even maybe to share an example of like how that unblocking can evolve over time, I had shared in a previous podcast how like one of my core narratives is I'm not good enough because my dad would work, wouldn't pay attention to me and try to get his attention all these different ways. And he was just really burnt out and didn't want anything to do with it. And so one way that initially presented when I was completely unaware that that was even happening is I would attract in dating situations where the partner clearly did not show respect for me, had toxic patterns. I would stay and settle for them because I was like, oh no, if I'm subconsciously believing I'm not good enough, I'm still trying to get validation from this person who ultimately is not anything that I wanted on my manifestation list. So when I'm completely unconscious, that's what I'm calling in. So I can look at this wound and be like, do you really want to settle for this type of a relationship if this is what you subconsciously think of yourself? And so it wasn't until, you know, having rock bottoms in those relationships, completely ending and then saying, okay, why did that end? What happened there? And then that's when it kind of like cracks you open to start to look at that stuff because you just don't want to settle for that any shit anymore. Like, I think that's kind of everyone's entry point into their journey (laughs) is they're like, all right, enough's enough. Now I need to start looking at stuff because we can't do this anymore. And then once I started looking at it, I was like, oh, I had no self-worth in that relationship because I was giving that person all the power. I wasn't looking at what needs I needed to be met. I wasn't setting boundaries. I wasn't walking away when I knew that we were a red flag. So, okay, cool. Now that I'm aware of it, I'm unblocking and I'm working through it. Now I start attracting people at a different caliber. And so now I'm not attracting those types of people at all. And my partner's like, not like that at all. But the way the not good enough is presenting is he has difficulty telling me when he's able to listen or not listen. And so it's not nearly as horrendous as those early dating situations, but it's still poking on that core wound a little bit. So it's like, okay, how do I go back in and reassure myself that I'm worth being listened to and I'm good enough to be listened to and all of these things. And the more that you uncover, the more you unblock, the heaviest stuff starts to drop off. The most activating stuff seems to exit your life and then the tension becomes easier, so to speak. Such a beautiful way of saying it, Jessica. Yeah, that's exactly it. Absolutely. How does the how do these core narratives implant in our bodies somatically? And what is somatic experiencing? So from EMDR, you know, when you do it, you go through this whole list of questions to get really in touch with a very specific trauma. And the last question you ask is where do you feel it in your body? And every single time somebody will be like, my head, my chest, my right arm, my left foot, you know, it's just always so fascinating that when you're really, really in touch with your trauma, your body's like, see, this is exactly what you felt when you're in touch with it. It remembers. So once you move through that trauma, like at the end of EMDR, they don't know, no longer feel it when that specific spot in their body. So EMDR though works more through your head to heal trauma where SC, somatic experiencing, really actually works through your body first. 
So they're both ways to tackle trauma. They're both my two favorite therapeutic modalities, but you know, one goes through the body and one goes through the head. So with somatic experiencing, you're really more working with the nervous system. And as you're remembering a trauma, then you're, you're basically doing nervous system tracking and then renegotiating with the body to release the trauma. So this DI series is, is kind of a marriage of EMDR plus some somatic experiencing plus some psychoeducation. It feels like it has, you know, all three of those. But with SE, there's something called the big four of SE, which is orienting, grounding, self-contact, and movement. And basically, one of those needs to be online before you can do any trauma resolution. So it's a lot of, in EMDR, we call it resourcing. It's basically building up somebody's window of tolerance to be able then to do trauma work. I mean, as someone who's experienced somatic experiencing, it really feels like in practice, the exercises are very simplistic. You know, it's different breathing things, feeling into different parts of your body. But then you really check in after and you're like, whoa, I feel so much more relaxed. The tension has subsided or this feels different. And they're really small things. And it's so funny because as I was even going through in the edit on some of these DIs and, you know, listening back and putting them in real time, I was like, okay, yeah, I know what happens here. I can skip over this part. Let's go to the next part. I was like, no, 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 let me sit with it and do the whole thing. And I was like, oh, wow, it actually did make such a difference. Even if I thought I was calm going in, my body felt calm. I couldn't agree more. They're incredibly simplistic, you know, and it's just a teeny portion of the new deep imaginings. But even the one that we have in the anxiety one, I've been practicing that quite a bit recently. You know, like if I can't sleep at night or my mind's kind of running and it'll put me right to sleep. It's crazy how effective it is. I love that one too. It's my favorite. It's so, so useful. It is. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey, or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child, and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. And right now we have our biggest membership sale for the summer going on where you can access some of the cheapest offerings for the pathway for the entire year. This is for new or returning members only. It is not valid for any active plans. If you are up for a renewal soon, an email will be on the way. 
But for any of the new or returning members, you can spin the spinner and receive a code. That code gives you a special discount that you can use for the 12-month membership commitment. Again, this is a limited time offer for our summer sale that will only be available until July 15th. We are kicking off the unblocking challenge Monday, June 6th, where you're going to take your biggest block preventing you from your manifestation and work through it to connect with your manifestations on the other side of the six-week challenge. So make sure to sign up soon so you can participate in the challenge with us. You can click the link in the show notes or on the To Be Magnetic website to spin the spinner and enter into the pathway for the lowest rate of the summer. Okay, now back to the episode. So once someone feels calmer in their body, is it that they feel safer to access the trauma, to heal the trauma? Is that kind of what's going on? Yeah, I mean, usually when you bring up your trauma, you could really easily start to disassociate. If somebody is doing like inner child and a trauma came up, and they found themselves where they just kind of spaced out the whole DI, that's a sign that you've disassociated. And it's just your body's way of protecting itself. But just to be aware that we want to get you back online, it's almost like a little balloon, you know, like that goes up in the air and you're like, I just disassociated and you want to pull the balloon back to the ground. But that's what these SE practices are or the safety eye, that's what that does. So you want to make sure, am I present and I, am I really here or am I just so panicked? If you're so panicked going into a DI, it's going to be really hard to do any trauma resolution. Some people are going to need to stay in the safe, the, the new deep imagining called safe. They might need to hang out there for a while or do a lot of prep work. If they know that they're going to do, you know, work on some trauma, I would do the safe one before just to make sure, am I regulated? Am I present? Am I here? Once that's online, you can do some really good trauma work. And if you disassociate again, it's okay. Take a break, pull back honor your emotional boundaries, go back to doing the safety eye to make sure that you are connected to yourself and you feel safe. And so it's going to be very individual with whatever that person's working through. And I, I've been here before. I'm like, where I'm so eager to have a manifestation come through that I just want to run in and rip it off like a Band-Aid. But the essence of TBM is real self-worth, true deep self-worth and true self-worth doesn't run over our emotional boundaries. It deeply respects our emotional boundaries and our trauma and deep self-worth is just so carefully, so lovingly holds our trauma work. And I think in that, ironically enough, our manifestation might come through by moving through it slowly and not just making sure it's done because it communicates that deep self-worth. So don't be afraid to bounce back and hang out and do some of the SC work and the safety eye. And if you need to hang out there for weeks, you know, if that's what self-love and self-worth is, just go with that. I love that you said that because I think I definitely resonate with the jumping in and ripping off the Band-Aid. And sometimes it's like you just need soothing. You just need comfort in this moment. We can get to the unblocking tomorrow or the next day, but just soothe. Yes. What are signs of one being in that? So it's a green light to keep moving forward with actual unblocking. 
I would say go back to the safety eye. When you go back to the safety eye, it will bring you back to present. Anytime you are tender, anytime you're raw, that will bring you back to the present and then you can keep going. If you're feeling good, then then I'd say move on and do the DI. And then my other question is, what can we say about the safety eye even specifically or the SE exercises we have for those who have ever written in and they say, I can't drop in, nothing comes up for me, et cetera. We really tried to tackle that with this. Oh, they're going to love the safety eye. <laughs> like mm-hmm. That is going to be your new favorite. I love, love, love that one because that's one you're, you can do before any big one. Or if you do feel too triggered, I'd go back to the safety eye. It's meant to bring you back. It's meant to bring you back from any sort of disassociation and feel calm and grounded in your body. And it does. One thing I just wanted to add into that piece as well, the core concept with a lot of these DIs is to really take one theme through the whole thing and be able to you know, have the safety eye to resource yourself, soothe yourself, get in the practice of visualizing, but about things that are joyful and bring you excitement. So you can get in the habit of what does it feel like to visualize in a deep imagining without visualizing, you know, your inner childhood wounding. And once you really get in the groove with that one, then you can start going through the unblocked and the fear and the anxiety pieces and understand what's going on there and what blocks and things need to be called to attention. It's going to take time, but it doesn't mean that you can't be magnetic during that entire process. Absolutely. And the music, this is a really fun addition we have here. So we worked with this incredible intuitive composer. We really manifested working with her. It was such a good fit. But we have three different solfeggio frequencies in there that correlate to the root chakra, the solar plexus chakra, and the heart chakra, which those three in tandem have like a resonance of sound that they're all on the same sort of frequency. And it feels like at ease when all three of those kind of frequencies and chords are played together. And those are kind of where some of our biggest traumas and blocks live in our root chakra, our solar plexus and our heart chakra. So just the music alone is helping to soothe and clear those blockages. So the root one clears blockages around fear, guilt, grief, regret, and helps clear anything towards your goals. The solar plexus one is known as the miracle tone of transformation. It's body and DNA repair, helps lower cortisol, it helps you tap into intuition, your creative field increases self-esteem and self-worth, and the heart chakra frequency enhances understanding, connection, and love to ourselves and others, the world around us, and really gets us into that heart frequency. So if you guys are familiar at all with the Sofagio scale or any healing frequencies, you can look up a bit more about what those do, but those are all layered into the music. As well, we have the theta by neural beats. So that helps you drop way deeper into hypnosis as well. I'm just really wanting to showcase to everybody that these are completely new with a lot of science and therapy and therapeutic elements infused in them to make them incredibly effective. So another really exciting addition we have in these is the bilateral stimulation. So this is something, Lacey, you actually were doing in your EMDR work, and this is something that is common for EMDR. Well, we want to make a really big disclaimer, first and foremost, that you will not be doing EMDR in these. They're EMDR informed. So I'll let you talk about that, Janelle, just to be very specific so that people understand what's going on. 
Yeah, sure. So bilateral stimulation is kind of just the base of how EMDR works. So bilateral stimulation is just that. It's whether it's through eye movement, like in my office, I have this light bar that I use and with pulsers. So whether it's visuals or whether it's tapping on yourself, which is what these DIs are going to do, or also audio. So the unblocked one has the bilateral stimulation at the end. So, you know, let's say you take through whatever trigger, whatever present thing is coming up for you. You're going to go through the DI and at the very end, after you feel really resolved and you should feel really light and you should feel really clear. So, you know, you might need to do it a few times to get that feeling where you go, oh, I feel really feel like I worked through that one and I feel really good in it. That's where you're going to do the bilateral stimulation on yourself with the tapping. And so whether it's you're tapping really gently on your legs or you cross your arms, what's called a butterfly technique. You're tapping really gently on your shoulders, but this allows for really, really deep integration. And so let's say you work through something that came up for you and you're feeling like so clear and you're feeling I am good enough or I am safe or whatever your, whatever that negative belief was, you're now pairing it with a positive belief and you're just doing really, really gentle tapping just to have that really deep integration where you feel really clear and light and free. So what is going on during the tapping? It's basically integrating your right and left hemisphere of your brain, right? Uh-huh. So when when we're working through a memory, we're doing really, really quick bilateral stimulation, and it does allow for both hemispheres of the brain to communicate. And basically, the brain is just digesting the trauma really, really rapidly. And at the very end, after the, you know, processing's happened in EMDR and the very quick bilateral stimulation has, you know, that's ended and that person's at a zero and completely resolved, then we do, it's called installation where you're very slow tapping. You're taking that positive belief and pairing that with the experience and it just allows for really, really deep integration. It's so powerful because I was doing it in one of the DIs and at least I've noticed when I first start doing it, I feel kind of wonky and then I'm thinking about the tapping for a second and then it becomes on autopilot and I'm just tapping and I don't even realize it's happening. But the connections you can make about, whoa, okay, I'm integrating this. This is how I can show up differently. And like, oh, this is where I need to set a boundary. And oh my gosh, that's the action I need to take. And oh, there's the clarity I need. Everything comes online and you're able to like see the whole chessboard, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, you, and you'll feel it. Once you've really moved through something, there's this very much like, oh, well, yeah, it's almost like, a well, no, duh. Of course I'm good enough. Obviously I'm safe. It's almost like, well, that was a funny thought that I had because that's clearly not true. It just feels that integrated. Lacey, what are some things that you've noticed with the tapping that's come through or how it's like super speeded your process? Well, number one that I think is really underrated, it's incredibly nervous system relaxing. That's what I notice instantly. And I don't think enough people talk about that. Like we have a lot of SE exercises in there to do just that. But that alone, again, once you're no longer thinking about it, my whole nervous system goes like it just releases because I think doing that while installing the new belief, et cetera, you really can't think about other stuff, I think is no. what it is. So you're, you just go into parasympathetic. I think that's a really, really big piece. 
One thing that I've noticed in my process when I'm installing a new belief is I keep going until I really feel it. So like in it, you'll be prompted to say the new belief, let it go while you're tapping and feel any positive, negative, whatever's coming up, you know, in terms of if your brain's like, well, that's not true. I don't believe that, you know, and just tapping through it. You'll be prompted to do that a couple of times. And the thing that I will say is don't force just go with relax. Like I I do this in meditation, doing my Vedic meditation is I let it float like a bubble or like a cloud. I just let the new positive statement come in and I'll tap through and float and let anything come up, et cetera, bring it back. So that's the thing I would say is just go with ease. Don't force anything. And automatically already the nervous system's really relaxed. And for me, At about the third round of that is when my brain will have figured out, oh, well, that can be true because if you do this, this, and this, and this, it's already that. Like my brain starts to understand and see a way and see truth to it until it just is literally installed and integrated. Yep. So one of the other DIs that we have in this sort of DI bundle that we're adding in is an aligned action one. And it's really important because I think we come up against a lot of blocks when we're taking action, whether that comes in the form of resistance, fear, lack of clarity. We're not really sure how to take that action forward, how to navigate forward, what it looks like. And it kind of feels scary to do so. So we really created a deep imagining here where you can go in, you can face all of those blocks that may be coming up against what that very clear action step is that you need to take that's going to get you closer to your manifestation. And then start to do sort of like a mental rehearsal. Dr. Tara talked about, you know, the importance of feeling into your five senses when you're practicing doing something in the future. And when you have a little bit of kind of a neural pathway recognizing like, oh yeah, I remember this, you're less scared to do it and it's easier to take the action. So the idea is that you'll initially come up with whatever your aligned action is that you need to take. And then you practice doing it in your mind's eye. And when you practice, just doing that in your mind's eye. A lot of athletes do mental rehearsal as well before, you know, matches. They map out every scene of the game. And so the idea is that when you're in the actual moment and it's happening, you have a neural pathway that says, oh yeah, this is familiar. This is safe. Keep going. Versus if it's brand new, a place you've never been to, all of that, it feels very ungrounding. And so this way with these DIs, You can resource yourself with our safety eye, with the fear or anxiety DI to work through those emotions. You have the unblock to really get to the root of what is blocking your manifestation. And then you can practice and take the aligned action so you can hit that out of the park and connect with your manifestation on the other side. And I think too, the thing with this, I mean, we've been talking about releasing new DIs for so long, but we really wanted to do the due diligence on the back end to talk to all of the experts, do our own research of like, okay, let's test out all the modalities, which one's most effective, where can we drop in? How can we make it sound the best, you know, do all the techniques the best. And so that's really what we're putting into these DIs and all the DIs that we're releasing going forward to just give it that next level and be able to really kind of hold your hand through this process via the DIs. Yeah, I think it's just really exciting because it took us about, what would you say, like seven months in the making, Jessica, because we were so diligent to not settle and make these as strategic and effective, you know, so it's like, 
when it came to the music, when it came to the ways we approached it, you know, how I found EMDR practices to be so, so, so effective and unblocking and what we could infuse into these from that without it being EMDR and also using the somatic exercises. I just think that, you know, these will be really next level for people. So essentially what we found is like, this is the best batch of DIs to take through one theme, one core wound. We've had a lot of, um, what can I say, tests come through during the eclipse season and (laughs) Mercury retrograde. I feel like everyone got hit pretty heavy with a bunch of stuff during that period, which is exactly kind of what it's for. It's to look at our shadow parts, the parts of us that are, you know, not living in alignment with our true authentic self. And so we're like, okay, how can we support the community in this way, you know, through this kind of unknown, uncertain time? And one of the ways is really doubling down on the places that we don't feel in full safety and full integration with our authentic self. So we're really starting off the challenge with the safety eye, implanting new neural pathways of safety by creating a safe place, which is literally my favorite thing in the entire world. My safe place is my dream home. And It's the most fun feeling just walking through it and seeing what it's like. It just feels so good. So you'll go in that. You'll have a safe person you'll pull up. You'll really feel like, okay, I can tap into these things at any time because you are laying new neural pathways of connections to these memories or these visions or these ideas. Then you'll go into the unblocked and take your core wound through. You can take your most primary core wound if you want to be so bold, or you could take a a lesser intense one, but one that you notice is coming up or you're getting pushed against around your manifestation. So really start to hit on that and then you'll work through that. And then we look at, okay, where is there still fear? Now I've worked through the feelings, you know, inner child wise around that core wound, but where am I still fearful? Where am I fearful to take action in my life? Where am I fearful to do things and address that fear and kind of work with that fear? Janelle, do you want to talk a bit about how we, you know, it's important to learn to be adaptive with our fear versus maladaptive and kind of increasing the threshold to fear as well? Oh, sure. So when we're in fear, like anxiety is a little bit more surface where fear is a little bit hits like a deeper nervous system threshold. And when we're in that fight, flight or freeze, our adaptive memory networks can be completely turned off and it just goes, we are in all bad. There's nothing positive that's going to come. We're not really thinking correctly. And so I love that psychoeducation piece to kind of go, oh, am I in, you know, discounting the positive and black and white thinking. And okay, let me get back to like, what if things turned out great? What if actually this, you know, meeting went perfectly? What if this relationship worked out? All those different things. So I do love the psychoeducation piece of that to kind of help you in a more I want to use the word productive space versus that complete shutdown, you know, where it's like, we're still able to go, you know what, we have resources, it's not perfect, but it's okay. And we were able to kind of move through something. And so I feel like that DI kind of helps turn that back on where we can, oh no, we can do something about it. Absolutely. Then it's like, okay, we work through that root fear. And then sometimes there's anxiety, we're, we're actually going to have a podcast episode all about anxiety with an expert coming on soon that you guys can check out. But I think when it comes to anxiety and we're facing that, it's really understanding what 
is anxiety trying to mobilize in us and trying to tell us what is it warning us to? Um, so Janelle, if you want to talk a little bit about that too. Yeah. Well, I love that in this challenge that aligned action is after anxiety because that anxiety is just that there's like this mobilization energy. There's a part of us, you know, that there's this mobilization energy of like, do we need to say no to our partner or yes to our partner or reschedule a meeting or cancel some plan? Is there something in us that wants to take action? And so I love the placement of that in the challenge. And I love to the differentiation of, you know, sometimes like anxiety can kind of be a mask for other unprocessed emotion like fear or shame or tiredness, you know, sometimes under it can be some complicated grief or losses. And so sometimes it can be that and also differentiating between like really positive anxiety. Sometimes anxiety is like really helps us to have a presentation or to, do something in our day. It's not always negative either. You know, it can be a really, really helpful emotion. And then deciphering, it's like, okay, I'm having anxiety because this is new and I'm scared, but this is like the good kind that I need. I do want to push myself. And even whether it's fear or anxiety to it's the good kind where I, I need to move with it. And then on the opposite side of just kind of befriending my anxiety and fear, a really beautiful manifestation is going to come through. Or sometimes we do need to listen to it to pull back. And sometimes it's like, nope, this is really safe and we actually need to push forward. So I feel like these DIs kind of help sort through because there's like kind of a lot to sort through with both of these ones to get clear on what your particular fear or your particular anxiety is needing of you. And it's just a great place. I mean, outside of even the challenge, they're both great places to turn to when you're experiencing those emotions. If you wake up and feel those emotions, like what is coming up? What are you thinking about? What is what is your body alerting you to? Is there a message there to be heard? Or is it a feeling that you need to process through and really giving you space to do that? And then the last step is that aligned action DI and really preparing us to take the next step. So the goal here with the challenge is to really take a big look at what we're calling in and what tests and triggers have been presenting and understanding how we can really work through these blocks in a big way, in a concentrated way, in a way that we're dedicating weeks focusing on sort of these themes that's going to lighten the load and, and help us be really integrated with our authenticity and our manifestations on the other side. Lacey, give us like a, a vision hold because you've really gone through this process. You've been going through this process. Like how have you seen the shifts take place in your life? Yeah, for me, it's wild because it's allowed me to super speed unblocking because I've been doing at least four to seven times a week. I find that the only thing I'm needing are like very tiny fragment expanders and bam, a manifestation comes through because I'm unblocking so quickly. And so the way that I approach it every day, obviously through the challenge, we'll have a guideline, but beyond the challenge to keep someone's practice consistent is I allow any trigger, like I just want to focus on one trigger a day that comes up from small to large. And so I'll go into our hammock and I'll journal it out. I'll do the journal prompts and get very clear. And then I'll take that through whichever of the DI resonates the most. Usually it's unblocking because I'm, you know, working through manifestations. 
And then it's just like, bam, you know, at least four days a week. And it's a really quick process. To me, the most powerful piece has been installing that new positive belief. It's so powerful. It's so fast. It's so quick. The integration's happening very, very, very quickly for me. So yeah, the best thing I can say is I've just been manifesting crazy stuff. A great example, you know, I've been manifesting many material things, but also as many people know, we've been bringing a lot of animals home and there was this crazy amount of time. The reason why we went into rescuing cats and bringing them onto our property is because we found two rattlesnakes in Teddy's play area. And I'm from a ranch. And the first thing my dad said was was get rid of its food source and they'll move on, you know. And so we got cats to go after the rodents and it happened very quickly. We rescued the perfect cat. Max has a really good cat radar. But I kept finding these different kittens when I was looking through all of the different shelters in Los Angeles. And they were always these gray and white, fluffy, miniature Maine Coon looking things. But they would get snatched up right away, like way before we could even get there or whatever. And so I finally let it go until we just got back from our place up in Mariposa. And when we were up there, there was one night we came down to ride horses with my dad. He was riding horses with his friends. And after there's this link, this shows really how white trash I am. There's this bar (laughs) in my tiny, tiny town that like still allows kids and people to smoke in it, like really real country. Uh, But they do a taco night. So outside we, you know, we had Teddy and we all just went, it was a real cowboy shindig. And there were a box of kids that somebody brought that were the exact type that I've been looking at. It's just like, bam, 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 bam. Manifestations are so fast. They're happening so quickly, really big ones to really small ones. And it's just because I'm just unblocking so fast. It's bananas. And Tuna Canyon came through too. Oh my gosh. Yes, (laughs) Tuna. Wow. This has been one of the biggest manifestations since doing these new DIs. So basically I have a little bit quite a bit actually that I realized of trauma left over from when I was younger, a very close family friend's daughter was bit in the face by a dog and has had a couple of reconstructive lip surgeries. And so though I have only rescued pets and I've only ever had rehomed and rescued, I knew that as we were going to add another dog to our pack, if they hadn't gone through pregnancy with me, I just because of my own projection of trauma, I have to get a puppy without any trauma. And the perfect manifestation came through in the sense that the only breeder that I've ever personally met in my life is a family friend who has a ranch that's really close to our place up north. And in fact, that's where our rehomed border collie was originally from. And this woman, Vicky, at Team Reeves Ranch is the most mindful, spiritual, respectful breeder that I've ever known or heard of. And her intention with these dogs is that she breeds low-drive border collies. So a lot of border collies, you know, are like really obsessive or have to have a job and they're always hurting. Anyways, hers are very low-drive. They're all genetically tested. They are on this 20-acre ranch. There are only a handful of dogs at one time of mamas that are breeding. She retires them very early. All of the puppies, she does puppy yoga with them and neural exercises and puts so much intention into them and education so that no dogs ever end up in a shelter. In fact, she's always in contact with every single person who ends up with one of her puppies. It's a very thorough process to become someone who's going to get one of her puppies. 
But if ever one isn't working out or is going to be rehomed, they have to give them back to her and she finds their perfect family. So she is just so, so respectful. She's become a really close friend and she's actually done the TBM work. So when it came time to getting Tuna, she ended up giving him to me as a thank you for all of this work at TBM and our friendship. And it was the most profound manifestation that I, I've had during this unblocking process, though many material things have come through. There was a crazy IRS check that came through that was so unexpected. And I pay out the nose on my personal. This is outside of TBM. <laughs> on my personal, it's astounding and would make everybody's stomach turn. And that was really crazy. It totally came through after hitting one of my main core narratives and really unblocking it into this level of pure consciousness. You know, I'm obviously through neuroplasticity going to hit it at different angles continually, but that was a really big one that was unexpected. Another big piece is I'm noticing that the support that's showing up in my life personally outside of the company has been showing up in such a big way. It's really hard to work with support in Mariposa and hard to find people to work with. And some of the most beautiful people have been coming forward after unblocking quite a bit to help us when we're up there. I never even thought that was possible just because it's a town that has been very hard during the time we were renting the place, etc. And so that's been really beautiful. A couple of new friendships have manifested in my life that have been at a much higher caliber than I've had in the past. So yeah, I can't say enough about these new DIs. That's why I've had so much excitement through this episode to be like, and tell them this. And what about this? Because <laughs> it's really happening very, very quickly for me, the unblocking process and manifestation. And the cool thing is, too, is like we're doing this challenge together as a community. And I feel like that is one of the most like that's why everyone had so much success with the manifestation challenge we did back in December. When you have accountability buddies, when you have check in calls, when you have the momentum of of seeing, you know, what we're doing each week on social media, it really keeps you to your practice and the fastest things come through for me, the fastest I am blocked, the fastest I feel more connected with my authenticity is when I'm consistent without a doubt. Same. That is the biggest, biggest key. So here is our roadmap of keeping you consistent in the most easeful way too, because we're just focusing on one DI per week. So it's not like a ton of, you know, reading and a ton of journal prompts. You can go through the journal prompts at your own pace, one DI, super attainable, especially during the summer months. If you're traveling, you can do it in the morning, knock it out, be done and on to vacation, whatever you have next. It's just the perfect time and we'll set you up on such a good note for the rest of your summer or winter, depending upon where you live, I guess. <laughs> agreed, agreed. I'm excited. I'm so excited too. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And thank both of you for really going in deep and working on these so intensely. It's been such a cool process to get this result. Thank you. Yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, Jessica, you you really spearheaded it deeply. And yeah, we she did. <laughs> we are just so, so in awe because of you. We get to all benefit from this. So thank you. And thank you, Janelle, for all of your expertise. I can't wait to hear people's feedback. Yeah, me too. It was so fun. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, connect with us on social and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. 
Bye. Bye. Okay, and so for anyone doing the unblocking challenge, I wanted to share one really quick tip about finding your core wounds because I'm getting a lot of questions about them. So we have some journal prompts in the unblocking challenge during the pre-week to like help you deduce down what could be my core wounds and really, you know, journal down and get very clear on it. We also have a beliefs list that you can say each of the beliefs yourself and see which ones resonate. But these are kind of four ways that I always instruct people to start to look at and deduce down what their core wound might be. So one, we had this episode recently, but where are you gossiping and judging? We'll link the episode below as well if you want to check it out. Typically where we're gossiping and judging is pointing to some sort of core wound. We believe something about ourselves that's limiting and thus we're projecting back onto this other person or they're highlighting this part that we feel insecure or small or not good enough in. So that's one spot to look. The second spot is look at both or any of your caretakers, what need was not met by them. When you look at your interaction and you think, okay, like what was the biggest thing I was trying to get from them that I don't feel like I got? And then when you think about that, what belief did you then think about yourself as a child because you didn't get that need met? So children are very black and white. They're kind of seeing things in a limited spectrum. So if mom and dad can't meet my needs, it might be my fault. And what's wrong with me that they can't meet my needs? We really need our parents for survival and that's why it gets to that level. But what sort of internalized belief did you take away from that need not getting met by the parent? Because I bet you'll find some really fascinating things there and then you can start to reprogram it in the challenge. Number three, Where did you feel small around your peers growing up? What did they imprint on you? What did you feel? What did you take on from your interactions with them about the role you played, who you were, how you identified, all of those things? And then the last place is start to look at what you're calling in, what you're manifesting. And then you look at your tests and your triggers and you're like, okay, do any of the things that I'm being tested and triggered in in relation to my manifestation root back to some of these core wounding pieces that's the one you want to take through the challenge. Because like you heard in the episode, we have really one primary narrative, but then we have all these sort of offshoots. And so the goal for the challenge is taking the core wound through that is showing up for you right now. And you'll know it's showing up is because that is where you are tested. That's where you're feeling envious or jealous of others. It's happening right now. So when you can take inventory of like what is coming up, it's because the universe wants you to work through it because it has something trying to connect with you on the other side. So stay motivated. I know it can be a lot to kind of think about and go through, but I'm telling you this is powerful stuff. You're so deserving to move past these limiting beliefs and tap into your own internal truth and authenticity. Hopefully that helped and be sure to follow the To Be Magnetic Instagram and you can follow my Instagram if you want to hear more tips and tricks throughout the challenge. <laughs>